Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is the number one podcast for dads in their 40s who want to improve their health. This is episode 35, and in today's show, we are joined by Greg Scheiman from the Midlife Mail podcast. Greg had a pivot in his early 40s and regained his health to become a top executive athlete and transitioned from risk taker to risk manager, becoming a multi-million dollar producer and partner with Inza Group, one of the largest independent insurance firms in the United States. Greg's methodology regarding work and life is simple. Surround yourself with the people and ideas you love, bring in passion, authenticity, humility and experience to everything you do. Hi, Greg. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Hey, Darren. It's awesome to be here. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. I'm excited. Yeah, no, thanks for, for joining me. I know it's early morning your time, isn't it? Is it very early or? It's 9 a.m. here in Houston, Texas. Um, I'm not sure when you plan to air the show, but you know, like like you guys over there, I'm sure we're, we're all dealing with the um, with the effects right now in the ever-changing landscape of this coronavirus. So I'm in my office very early um, and dealing with cl- dealing with clients and what is uh, and what is transpiring and changing on a moment-to-moment basis. Yeah, it's it's crazy, isn't it? What ha- what's unfolding? And um, I actually listened to something on Joe Rogan last night, um, a, a particular doctor that's actually studied this virus, and um, not meaning to create more hysteria for the listeners that that are going to listen to this because this will go out in two weeks. But you know, he he thinks that this is not uh, a blizzard. You know, this I is something it's... that's going to be with us for quite a few months. So um, no, yeah, so you you, you broke alarming. up for a quick I second. Definitely I definitely think the trickle down effects of this will be uh, will be felt for a very long period of time. Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, yeah, we, we, it's, it's only starting unfolding now, and, and like you said, you know, it's um, it's uh, ever changing moment by moment. But but obviously, you know, we're we're not here to talk talk about that today. We're kind of here to talk about men's um, health and fitness and nutrition. So. Before we kind of kick off um, with the conversation, Greg, it would be really great for, for me and the listeners, actually, if you can kind of give us um, some background on you and, um, you know, your journey to where you are today. Sure. Okay. Um, you know, first and foremost, I'm, I'm 47 years old, um, okay. married to my wonderful wife, Kate, um, 19 years at, the, at this point, together 24. Four. Uh, we've got two amazing boys who are 16 and 13, Auden and Harper. Hey guys. Um, you know, and that's, that's the most important thing to me is, is family. I yeah. was born and raised in New York, uh, went to college at okay. the university of Michigan, uh, mm-hmm. came out of school thinking I wanted to be in the entertainment business and was for several years. Um, starting with Miramax films, producing some independent films on my own, uh, and ultimately uh, a sports video company called Team Baby Entertainment. And right. cutting to the chase, after I had sold that company, it kind of jumped sides from risk taker and entrepreneur to, to risk manager and got involved with risk management and insurance and investing in a firm here in Houston. And now okay. I get to represent the kinds of entrepreneurs and risk takers and health and fitness and entertainment and hospitality and consumer products, goods, all the, all the stuff I'm into, um, get to work with them and represent them from, from a different side. And it's been, um, it's been a really interesting journey to kind of combine my personal passions with professional mm. experience and, and expertise and, it's taken a while um, to figure that right. to figure that out. I'm still learning as we go, mm-hmm. but um, as you said, it's it's a journey and learning every day. Yeah, I think it's um, like you say. It, it sounds a bit cliche, but but it is a journey, and I, and I think 
you know, for me personally, you know, being able to um, do something which you are hugely passionate about on a personal level, but then combine that into your career, into your business is one which I don't think many people are are able to achieve. So the fact that you've been able to achieve that is is hugely impressive. And I've got huge admiration for that. But you've had quite a varied journey, haven't you, to the place where you are now? Absolutely. Um, I don't know if anybody's journey per se or trajectory, you know, goes in a perfectly straight upward line. I I don't, I I mean, I hope it does for some, that would be great. But, you know, for me, it's been a very rocky road up and down. Um, You know, starting back even in, in my teens, you know, everything in life was going along quite well in, in yeah. my life personally and family and, and into my teens. My father got sick with cancer when I was 15 and right. ultimately passed away when I was 17 and just going wow. off to college. Wow. Um, and that traumatic experience itself with two younger brothers and, and the effects that that had on my family, um, you know, derailed a lot, you know, up until that point hadn't had any adversity. So for a long period of time, felt very rudderless, didn't have a Mm. mentor, didn't have that support system. Um, There wasn't a family business, if you will, to go into or any, and all of a sudden, while it opened up a lot of opportunities, meaning, okay, I guess I could do anything and go in any direction right now. Yeah. That also created a lot of uncertainty. Um, and misdirection for me, trying to figure out how to navigate my life and where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And ultimately tried a number of different things, um, healthy, unhealthy, successful, uh, (laughs) unsuccessful. Um, yeah, all of it. Yeah. I think, I think that's, um, you know, I, 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 you know, fortunately I've not been in that position, but I can't, you know, as, Kind of unconsciously, I think, you know, we are our kind of guiding star, isn't it? Particularly with men and, and, and guys, our father is our guiding star, isn't it? We kind of, when we're trying to figure out what we want to do in life or where we want to go, we kind of reflect back onto the path that our dad has taken. And so for you, I guess it, uh, it must like, I can, I can relate to what you're saying in a sense that you kind of felt directionless, right? You was kind of at the, the starting point of your adult life, but you had no kind of signposts as to where you could potentially go. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, and for me in particular, you know, I was very, very close to my dad. He was certainly my, mm. my hero looked up to him more than anybody. He was a self-made self-made man who right. didn't graduate college uh, himself, but went on to become successful in business and successful with a family and successful yeah. philanthropically and in, and in the community and was a really, you know, I think well, well-liked man um, and, mm. and has a great memory and legacy because of that. Um, so yeah, you know, losing that had a profound effect on me. Um, and as I get older, you know, I'm 47 now, this is the same age that, my dad was when he passed away, I've always looked at it as, can I get to this time? Mm -hmm. Um, And how am I going to get to this time? And anything beyond this time is really a blessing and a bonus. Yeah. Um, And how can I take advantage in the most positive manner, you know, of my life and with my own family now? And and I will tell you, Darren, not to digress, but that was not always always the case. You know, I lived many years very recklessly after he right. passed away. Um, and I'd like to say in a, in a spectacularly, uh, uh, unhealthy fashion, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. It, it, it's almost like, I guess in some ways you were kind of rebelling, but or, or maybe just very angry at what's happened in life. And so therefore you decided, right, well, I'm just going to go out all out. And and it's almost like, it, it's almost like a form of, I don't want to set this town too deep, but it's almost like a form of self-harm, isn't it? It's like, right, this has happened to me. I'm really, you know, annoyed about it, to say it cleanly. Um, and I'm just going to go out and see what I can really throw at myself as a punishment. 
Yeah, I think it's. I think there are two ways that you can go. Um, there's probably yeah. more, but the two ways that I can think of are, you know, like you said, you can be reckless, unhealthy, throw caution to the wind, and say, look, you know, nothing else can can hurt me or damage me worse than this. I'm just going to go and do whatever I want. Yeah, you know, right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, because life can end in an instant, and I'm in pain, and I don't know. Or you can go the opposite way, which is okay. Um, he passed away. He suffered from cancer. He smoked. You know, there were decisions and choices that he made that were not great right. for his longevity, obviously. Um, and I yeah. can say, listen, I'm not going to repeat that. And I'm going to live healthier. I'm going to be smarter. I'm going to live life to the fullest, but I'm going to do it in a sustainable, healthy, and longevity-based manner. I think those are kind of the the two ways you can go. And when you've got a little bit of um. ADD or, or obsessive compulsive yeah. disorder or, or your type A, whichever one of those yeah. two directions you go, you kind of go full bore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I definitely can re- relate to that. And that actually brings me quite nicely onto one of the, the, the questions I wanted to ask you because you, you, you state that in your 40s again, you had another kind of pivot. So kind of what what caused you in your 40s to have another pivot? Because presumably, you know, you'd got through your early 20s, you, you know, you'd really gone gone at it in, in a, you know, in like we just said, in, in one or two ways. And you obviously chose the kind of, I don't know, the party way or whatever. And then in the 40s, you pivoted again. So what was what was the reason or are you, are you able to share the pivot again in your 40s? Because this is something that really interests me. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. Great, great question. Um, the pivot in my forties was really a direct correlation to not being personally happy and fulfilled, uh, and failing. Quite frankly, um, in a business, okay, uh, and to an extent, it was a successful failure. I had a company called Team Baby Entertainment after our first son was born. And we were creating right. sports videos for children and right. the company blew up. It became a big success. And I was right. on CNBC and the home shopping network. And I went from selling these DVDs out of the, the trunk of my car to being in thousands of retailers across the country and having a very high profile partner okay. in Michael Eisner, the former CEO of Disney. Okay. So this wow. was the entrepreneurial story, you know, yeah. the shark tank story before it's <laughs> yeah. time, you know? Yeah. Um, and I remember this, you know, distinctly. I mean, I'll, like it's yesterday, like it always happened, like, like it happened yesterday. Um, you know, the business had this explosive trajectory and then kind of almost overnight, the DVD market went went south. Um, retailers started closing in the US, Best Buy, Circuit City. I don't know if you had them where where you were. A lot of the bookstores started closing. Um, entertainment became much more streamed and online. And yeah. pediatricians were telling parents not to let their children watch TV. And I remember watching yeah. our valuation fail um, and go right. down. And my high profile partner basically say, we're done. You know, we, we failed. Right. I'm not funding this anymore. Um, and it was that moment where I was out of a job again. Um, everybody, you know, the publicly people knew me as this success with this company. Mm -hmm. My identity was being challenged. Um, and I was unhappy and I started to look for greater enjoyment or fulfillment, um, or kind of reground myself and Mm -hmm. say, I don't want to be necessarily known through somebody else. Um, Mm -hmm. And I want to find something that's more fulfilling and sustainable and maybe not so much tied to the ebb and flow of, um, of things totally outside of my control. Okay. So, so before, before that happened with the market changing and obviously the business failing, what was your definition of it, of success? Because I think, and I'll just talk from my personal experiences, when I used to work in finance and in the hedge fund world, my definition of, of success was materialistic and money. So it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts. 
Yeah, another another great question. Um, so I I grew up with money, so I, I have an interesting, I think, relationship with money and finances okay. uh, and yeah. definition of success. I grew up with money in our family, and in a way, not realizing how successful. Um, and how good we had it, and everybody around us had it too. Again, there, yeah. um, I'm a firm believer that money does not buy happiness. Yeah, but I'm also a believer that money provides you opportunities um, and outlets to be happier in a way. They're not; it's yeah. not going to make you happy, but the experiences no. that having means and resources provide. Um, is a one is a wonderful thing. So I'm certainly yeah. not against money um, or or a minimalist in any way, shape, or form. We live a very very nice life, and I fortunately make a make a very good living. However, mm-hmm. um, it's not the driver of my happiness, and I would say I am far less materialistic um, and possession driven or keeping up with the Joneses kind of driven than I, than I was yeah. earlier. Um, right. It's so again, right now it's, it's much more about experiences to me over yeah. things. Um, yeah. and if I, I don't know if I, if I can curse on the show a little bit, if that's yeah, okay, yeah. I always kind of say, like, I just want to have an, a little bit of fuck you money, you know, to yeah. be able to just make the decisions I want to make and the choices I want to make yeah. and do the things for my family that I want to do. But I really don't care that much about having the biggest house in the block or the fanciest car or, and I'm not even wearing a watch today. Like, like I have yeah. some of that stuff, but it really doesn't mean anything to me. No. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, th- I completely agree with what you're saying from the perspective of, yes, you do want to have, you do want to have the ability to be able to give your family the experiences, but it is more about having your family and having those experiences with your family than it is the money. So I, the way that I like to look at it now is that money's just a vehicle. For me, money's just a car, right? And so you can have a, you can have, you know, using the analogy of the UK, you can have a Ford that gets you from A to B and it might get you there in a little bit of a, a bumpy road. Or you can have, you know, for want of a better one, a Mercedes that gets you there in a lot smoother way and a lot easier. And that's the way that mm-hmm. I see it. I, I agree with you 100%. It's ironic in that I also – I work with very, very wealthy individuals, high net worth individuals, families, family offices, entrepreneurs, these businesses, these brands and lifestyles that my clients lead, um, and I identify with it. Again, I was raised in similar fashion, so I understand it, I guess, and I'm comfortable in that world. Yeah. Um, but – Again, for me, it's more about the experiences that we share, the individuals, the people, the companies, the brands, the family aspect of it from a quality of life and from a quality of relationship standpoint. You know, the other accoutrements are wonderful, again, but if you're not Mm -hmm. happy um, and authentic in what you're doing, it's not going to make the difference for it, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Yeah, 100%. So so you your your personal motto is ensuring success, which is something that, you know, the majority of us aspire to. But what would you say are, you know, specifically around health, what would you say are the the keys to achieving success in health? What 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 mm-hmm. do you define that as? Yeah, one I can't take credit for the motto. I don't even know exactly who at our firm created it um, because it's a firm-wide motto that I've adopted personally again and professionally because I feel it exemplifies the manner in which I try to try to live and perform um, in all in all aspects Um, but yeah think about it in in a in a risk aspect in a risk mitigation aspect you know health is the single most important thing yeah um that we have. Yeah. If you are unhealthy or by definition, if you are, if you can't perform, you're unfit yeah. there. So everything starts and stops with health. And I don't mean that you have to be an elite level athlete, no. that you have to be 
a hundred percent or out of out of balance, you know, with your focus on health and wellness, um, to be able to perform in life at a high level, I think it is about sustainability and it is about longevity and it is about discipline and consistency uh, and maintaining a focus on your health and wellness. And I include mental in that as well as physical, yeah. you know, there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that you can perform well in all other aspects of your life. I kind of refer to it in a way as of, of chasing, chasing total life wellness is, mm. you know, what can we do to have total wellness in our life? And that is that balance of health, fitness, nutrition, finances, family, philanthropy, faith for mm-hmm. some, you know, more than, more than others. Um, balance I think is an overused term at this point, yeah. but to a certain extent, um, you know, being a balanced man. And for some that might mean 20% in one direction and 30 or 40 or 50 in another, how they balance their, their kind of pie chart. Um, yeah. you know, but for me, I try to keep that pie pretty small, um, yeah. and pretty focused on, on a few key areas, which for me are, you know, fitness, family, finance, as it relates to my, to my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and and friends, which I put clients and clients and friends, friendships and relationships all in that category as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it, it's interesting how, you know, kind of what I term the fitness and health market to be evolving, because it, I, I think it's becoming a lot more complete now. And what I mean by that is, is something that you just said there. And that is it's not just about going to smash yourself at the gym. It's not just about having a green smoothie. It's about how can we on a daily basis maintain our overall health? And I think one of the key things for me now is actually maintenance because, you know, and the analogy that I like to use, Greg, is that we, you know, on a regular basis, maintain our cars, right? So our car goes to the garage, it gets service and the rest of it. How many times do we as dads, as, as men, do that for ourselves. And I would say pretty much the majority of people, not at all until they have a problem. Yes. I, I, I agree with you. I think on a societal level, um, we tend to be far more reactive than proactive. Yeah. And I see that in my business also every day. Um, the nature of of insurance is to be proactive against the potential loss. The nature yeah. of what you're talking about with maintenance is if you put yourself on the right path and you are doing the right things proactively, preventative maintenance is to prevent you from having a problem, a health problem mm. you know, down the road. Now, we yeah. can't mitigate or eliminate everything, but we certainly right. can – can put the odds heavily in our favor uh, by by doing that. And the the analogy you use with a car um, is a fantastic one. But from an exercise yeah. and a health and fitness standpoint, if you can put yourself on a simple yet effective program, um, mm-hmm. you really are. Once you continue to you're on that program, it really is more about maintenance all the time. Um, yeah. And I get people assuming, I think people make incorrect assumptions a lot, um, be careful of that, that, you know, oh, you must work out two hours a day, every day and do all yeah. it's not the It's not the case. It's, it may not be the case for you, Darren, even with all of the accomplishments you have. And it may yeah. be different when you're training for a big event. But for yeah. example, I've been training, I think in an efficient and effective manner for a very long time now, you know? Right. 15, 20, yeah. 15, 20 years in total. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot more for me about maintenance. Yes, I push it hard, but I take a lot more time off. My workouts are shorter in a way than they've ever been. My recovery is longer than it's ever been. My active recovery and days off are more than they've ever yeah. been as I've gotten older and adapted. But that foundation is there. You know, that, yeah. that the long-term care and maintenance that I've been doing, um, allows for that now yeah yeah and and that's 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 really uh key and something which science has proven and um, and more and more so more research is coming out about this the actual gains you get off is from the recovery is from the rest and recovery after your after your fitness so yeah i, yeah, I can wholeheartedly agree with that 
you know, there's one thing um, that sticks out to me. There's a gentleman who does a great podcast also. His name is Jay Ferugia, uh, Renegade Radio. Um, and Jay's in his 40s, I think just turned 40. Um, and he said something uh, about minimum effective dose, which I really yeah. identified with, which is really, okay, the minimum that you need to do in order to get the results that you want and why would you do yeah. more, you know, in there, yeah. we see yeah. a lot yeah. of overtraining, a lot of extremism, yeah. you know, right now, a lot of what you mentioned earlier, these workouts that are designed to, to drive you into the ground, you mm. know, rather than, rather than build you up. Um, and I think that scares a lot of people off. I think it intimidates a lot of people. And I think, yeah. um, if that's the case, maybe you're looking in the wrong place. You know, maybe they need to be looking and turning towards somebody like yourself, again, who's more accepting and more open um, to the concepts of of fitness and health and wellness should fill your tank. It shouldn't empty it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's key. And I, and I think the, the other thing is that, you know, it's this classic, it's almost like this testosterone driven caveman approach isn't it it's like no we've got to go hard you know it's kind of like the old days you know when you're in the big kind of what I call spitting sawdust gyms and you're there pumping iron pumping iron because and you should actually destroy yourself because that's what's going to make you better well we now know that that's not the case <clears throat> look and I don't get me wrong I love some of that too yeah you know I think there's a time and place for for going hard mm. in there and I've been in that and I and I and I enjoy it a lot. Excuse me. <clears throat> However, um, it has to be it has to be balanced. If I use that word again, with mm. sustainability and longevity. You know, you can't mm. redline it every single day and expect <laughs> to not blow your engine. Exactly. Yeah, it comes back. Yeah, it comes back to to the car analogy. Absolutely. It and it comes <laughs> back to the balance. You have to have that balance. You can't have one end of this spectrum or the other to get, you know, consistent results. So yeah, I absolutely agree with that. So in your um entrepreneurial endeavors, Greg, you also founded um a brand of, of indoor rowing gyms, which I'm I'm hugely interested in because they're also becoming very popular here in the UK. So what was it about the sport of rowing which kind of led you to bring that into the gym concept? What was it? Was it your, through your own discovery or? Yeah, it was. So I got um, – it's, it's, it's a funny segue now because I got, in, I got introduced to rowing um, on a Concept 2 rowing machine called an ERG that, that they yeah. use. I got into, introduced to it through CrossFit, speaking of hardcore workouts okay. <laughs> every day. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. When I was heavily involved in, in CrossFit, and that was my method of training for a while, uh, I got introduced to rowing. And because I've never really enjoyed running and the impact on right. my body, and I've had yeah. uh, three knee surgeries, I would always right. substitute the run aspect of these workouts with the rowing. Um, right. And there were a lot of rowing intensive workouts on their own at the, at the CrossFit box that I was going to, but I started to enjoy the rowing machine. I started to see the benefits of the full body workout of the rowing machine without the impact and strain on my body that things like running would put on it or box jumps or any type of impact, mm. you know, that would bother, would bother my knees, bother my hips. Um, and again, it just, it just wasn't my my mode of workout. I never got that runner's high, yeah. you know, there, even when I had done triathlons and trained for some of that, the run part was the bane of my existence yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. So I enjoyed the rowing machine, had kind of a love hate relationship with it that you could never beat it. Um, and that it worked your entire body and had this idea that as I was getting a bit older, um, that non-impact, again, sustainability and longevity, these were all things that I could build a fitness concept around and make rowing the centerpiece. And right. having seen the success that spinning had, uh, you know, my thought was that rowing could become kind of the new, kind of the new spinning. Yeah. And we could do something different. And that's how Row Studios was born in Houston. Okay. Like most small businesses, we put a few guys together mm -hmm. um, to fund this. 
and try to take it from idea to execution. And we did. We've been open for six years now. Right. Um, I actually sold my interest in the studio this past January um, okay. at the five year at the five year mark. Right. My wife goes every day. I still, see. I drop in from time to time. And yes, there's been, uh, I think, a huge surge in in the popularity in rowing throughout the U.S. and I think I think the world. You know, now where we're seeing other brands and other concepts using rowing as the foundation of of their workout, and I think it's great. I think yeah. there's room for everybody. Yeah, no, I definitely agree, and I, I can relate to to the running element of of, of sport and triathlon and the rest of it because it is such a harsh um, activity on the body and particularly for, for guys like us that are in our 40s you know it is prone to a lot of um, injuries um, and I think you know the, the, the concept of rowing is the way to get that high intensity effect but without absolutely kind of pounding your joints so um, yeah I think I think that's a, it is a great concept and I, I agree with you I think you know it, it can be the new spinning um, and it's, you know, it's just another way to keep variety into your workouts, because I, I think that's hugely important as well to have that variety. Absolutely. Again, I think there's there's room for everybody out there. If you are executing on a good concept, uh, I think there's a place for you. I think the beauty of health and wellness and fitness is that there are there's a variety of ways mm. that, um, for people to get fit and find again what makes them happy and what they have fun doing. Yeah. Um yeah. I think you certainly want to make sure that there is substance to the style. You yeah. know, as we see a lot of boutique fitness um studios and various concepts. I think so long as they have the substance to match with the style, whatever kind of environment you want to train in, uh you should because if it's not yeah. fun, you're not going to keep it up really, or you're not seeing the results that you want, it becomes harder to keep it up. So while the basics, I still feel that, that the basics work best, the tried and true, um, the things that you really don't need to spend money for, you know, you can walk, uh, you can do push-ups, you can do pull-ups, you can do so. I mean, body weight movements are, are fantastic. There's so many programs you can find you know, online in this day and age um, that you can do with your friends or find just a great coach to program for you and have some accountability in there. But it's such a wide open space that any type of activity people are, are taking on that keeps them from being sedentary. You know, I'm I'm a supporter of anything that keeps people moving. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And this is something that I keep talking about on on my um, social media and stuff like that. And that is this whole concept of should. I should go to the gym because I want to get fit. No, don't go to the gym. If you don't bloody like it, don't go to the gym because when it's raining outside or it's cold and the rest of it, you're not going to go to the gym. Find something that really fires you up and, and you really enjoy doing. You know, Otherwise, what's the point in punishing yourself? Absolutely. And, and one more point I'll make on that is it's – it's okay to change and it's okay to mix it up. I mean, yeah. I go through cycles also of yeah. things I'm interested in or want to try because by nature, I'm curious like you. I mean, that's why I do a podcast as well. Yeah. I'm curious by nature. Mm. I want to hear people's stories. I want to tell their stories. I want to know what they're into, what's working for them, how they're doing things, and then try it out. And some of it works for me. Some of it doesn't. Sometimes it's a combination of yeah. of things I've learned from multiple people or, or multiple places that I've mm. gone, but you keep, gl- yeah. you keep gleaning knowledge from each and every one of your experiences. And I'll go through these phases too, where I won't lift any weight for a while. Um, yeah. I'm just tired of it. And, you know, now I want to box or I'll be in the pool yeah. a little bit more often, or, you know, mentally I'm just drained from work and family and stress and everything. And I just want to do I just want to fucking do yoga, you know, for a little while, (laughs) you know, and just, and like meditate. And that's fine. I like, that's fine too. I mean, I I don't think anybody, again, you don't have to fixate. You really, you don't. No, no, I agree. So 
we t- we talked about this a little bit um, at the beginning of the show. So you've got a, a methodology of of kind of work life, uh, and for the listeners, can you kind of share what that is? Because and also, you know, looking from the outside to me it it really appears that you've managed to accomplish that but i would imagine that's not something that's happened kind of overnight that's a conscious effort that you've made uh well i appreciate that um you know the first thing i want to say to everybody and, and is from the outside looking in of anybody else's life yeah it's uh, it always looks better yeah you know it, does, yeah. <laughs> it looks better it looks easier um you know and and comparison is something that's easy to, is easy to do, you know, especially with social media or hearing people speaking and putting out content, you know, versus receiving it and so on and so forth. Um, but it's not easy. It's not perfect. It is a constant work in progress, um, and evolution. And the first word you used when we started, you know, journey. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's taken a long time for me to get more comfortable with it. I think and to realize some success and comfort uh, in the decisions that I've made and in the life I'm trying to live. Um, but I'm still working on that, you know, too. Wow. I've, I've turned over clients um, because of that. Mm-hmm. My quality of life is important. I know I'm sacrificing some financial gain by living the mm-hmm. way I am, meaning that I, I want, I am going to exercise every day. I, yeah coached all of my kids' teams for years. I don't see clients really anymore in the evenings for dinners or drinks. I will meet anybody at any time for a workout or a breakfast, you know, just kind of consciously crafting this lifestyle. Um, It, it, it hasn't been received well by everybody too. You know, I mean, you've got to take the good with the bad. Yeah. Um, People can become resentful. People can want to work with somebody else. Um, yeah, they're living their lives their own way. But I believe yeah. that there's enough again out there for all of us. There are as many people, if not more, um, that maybe want to work with me. Um, yeah. That may want to exercise with me. That may understand, you know, why I'm here or there or some or doing something. Um, and yet I can still be very, very productive, you know, in, in my professional life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and efficiency and effectiveness. Again, I think it's, I think it's there. If you are maximizing your time and your productivity, um, yeah, it opens up a lot of opportunity. Yeah, it does. And I think to, to kind of actually make that conscious decision that you are going to live your life your way and you know not jump by somebody else's demands or tunes and all the rest of it and be confident enough in yourself and and comfortable with your own values that that is how you're going to live and it's it's you know some people could see that as quite arrogant but it's not it's you've made a decision in your life that this is how you're going to live your life and you know they'll like you said you know there'll be people who will resonate with that there'll people who will be drawn towards you before that but equally there'll be people that will shy away and decide to do business with somebody else um and i think making that decision is really really valid you know you can make that decision um again control what you can control you can't make anybody else agree with that decision or make any no. decision that they don't want to make or any choice that they they don't want to make i will say this that as you do a better job of qualifying relationships, mm-hmm. qualifying mm-hmm. individuals, qualifying opportunities, um, and again, learning from your mistakes, of which I've made many and continue, I just try <laughs> to make fewer. I still, um, again, when you are more equally yoked, when you are aligned in your, in your values, in your habits, in your hobbies, in your lifestyles, yeah. um, it does make things certainly easier. You have less conflict than when, again, um, you know, if I wake up at 7am, okay. And I've got a client that wakes up at 10 and I want to go to bed at 10 and he wants to work from 10 to midnight, you know, every day, it's not a great fit, you know, there overall at the same time, again, you can't be so rigid, I think in your principles or in your 
this is the only way I'm going to do it, that it also heavily costs you. I mean, I do jump when, when my clients need me, I jump, you know, when, when things have to happen, yes, you've got to compromise, you've got to do it, but overall you live within a framework, um, that, that is of your, of your design. Yeah, definitely. But, but I think on that though, when, when you mention about, you know, when your clients need you, you jump, my view on that is that that works because you you guys are aligned right if you weren't aligned you'd be resistant to that yes absolutely i i do say tell myself all the time that if my phone rings and i look down at the number and i don't want to answer that call that's yeah. not the right client for me yeah yeah i'd agree with that i i want to see who's call if somebody's calling me and i boom my instinctive reaction is that is somebody I genuinely like, genuinely care for, and genuinely want to help. What can I possibly do? I'll answer that call at any time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll true. stop anything for that. But these are also individuals that relationships develop that they also understand, you know, that, hey, we know Greg's going to be coaching his kids' baseball team, you know, from, from five yeah. to seven. You know, or for them, they, they get that. And they're a lot of them, they're doing the same thing too. Or we know that that guy's up at five, six o'clock every morning. You know, mm -hmm. I've got stuff on in my inbox from him or a message from him or a text, or, you know, I'm meeting him and he's just finished a workout for breakfast. Again, there's that alignment and it works. Yeah. Um, when, when it's forced or it's inauthentic and, and it's not aligned, that's, that's, I think where you have a lot of problems yeah. and those problems are not just professional, regardless of the revenue, you might be able to generate revenue from yeah. it and sustain it for a while, but the problems start to creep into other aspects of your life. Again, yeah. you're not happy. You don't want to answer yeah. the phone. You yeah. don't want to serve. Um, maybe you're distracted at the workout because you're thinking of the stress and the anxiety and the <laughs> yeah. angst in this relationship. You know, it creeps into all of these other areas. So I think, yeah. I mean, everything is connected to a, to a degree. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so you mentioned earlier on that you have your own podcast, and and on on your podcast, you're you know you're interviewing successful experts, entrepreneurs, many of them who are from the health and wellness space. So, I'm really curious, what would you say sets them apart? You know, the successful ones from from those that don't achieve the level of success that they aspire to. Well, first of all, they're individuals like you. Right. And, and, and you just came on and then thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story yeah. and, and your journey. They're, yeah. they're individuals like you. Right. Um, so thank you for putting out the content that you do and sharing the story, um, and, and your continued stories, you know, that you have. Yeah. That's yeah. what helps us. Right. Um, what separates, I, I wish I would have asked you this, uh, this <laughs> question also, um, you know, but what separates them? I think if I could kind of generalize it a little bit, um, it's consistency. Okay. You know, it's discipline. Yeah. I think it's, uh, there's a lot of humility. Mm -hmm. There isn't anybody I've had on that isn't open and honest and, and willing to talk about the mistakes or the setbacks, you know, that they've experienced, yeah. you know, there too. Um, but that perseverance and grit of continuing to move forward. Um, and it's remarkable to me how significantly people can change their lives yeah. for the better yeah. when they make that decision and stick with it. Mm. While they're all extraordinary individuals, at the same time, I don't know if any of them would describe themselves as extraordinary, no. but rather regular, normal people who have mm. just again made a commitment to to do the work, you know, to yeah. push through the setbacks and the challenges and the failures that have an idea or a concept or a lifestyle that they wanted to change or a product that they wanted to put out into the marketplace, and they just stuck it out, you know. They're, I mean, yeah. to the general yeah. public, in a lot of ways, there are all these overnight successes, but there's no real overnight yeah. success. It's a no. 10 year overnight success, a 20 year overnight, a lifetime <laughs> overnight. Success. Yeah. You're just only hearing about the good shit. 
You're only yeah, hearing about it a lot of times when they're when they're I, at the I think, top of I think their it game. It comes back to what you said earlier around my previous question to you about you know you you, you know the perception of you've got the life mastered and and your your comments were you know don't look, don't look at social media don't look at the highlight reel you know we all go through trials and tribulations and and for me I think successful people and whatever you want to define success as it's just it's these entrepreneurs, business owners or experts or whatever you want to term them as, as they've got a, uh, a, a kind of a mission or desire that's bigger than themselves and they're not connected necessarily to the outcome. They're just connected to doing the best that they can, you know, for, for as long as it takes. And and it kind of comes back to this whole um, success iceberg, doesn't it? Where you only ever see the contents of an iceberg from 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 you know outside of it, from the from the top. You don't get to see all the stuff that goes on underneath. It's it's a hundred it's a hundred percent true. Um, yeah, there was a there's that photo similar to the iceberg analogy. I think it's a you know I think it's a duck. You know, there's a picture yes. of the duck and the and and the duck looks so smooth on the water. He's just kind of yeah. and underneath he's paddling away like crazy. <laughs> you know, yeah. in there. And I think it's the ideal. It's the ideal analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to break down the barriers or the misperceptions of that when you're successful, again, things are, you know, it may appear that you're coasting or gliding along the water and it's smooth, but underneath mm-hmm. you are still paddling away. I mean, I, we wake up to problems every day, just like every, we're yeah. struggling every day. Um, yeah. I get told no every day. <laughs> by multiple people. I get rejected every single day, you know, in there. Um, there's a plan I have for my day that gets derailed every single day <laughs> by something. Yeah. Um, and it's just a question of how a matter of how you deal with it yeah. um, and how you work through it. Yeah. Um, look, I don't like to take, I don't take rejection, you know, well, yeah. Um, Especially, you know, right now where I what what I go after, everything I'm going after is something I really want. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I want you as a client. I want to train in your place. I want to become friendly with you or what, whatever. It's something I really want. Yeah. So, of course, when I get rejected, yeah. you know, or or, or they yeah, don't want yeah. me back, you know, it's hard. Yeah, absolutely. But, but, it, uh, yeah. it is much easier to to focus on what's going wrong sometimes than it is of what's going right you know so yeah i try to spend a lot of time stepping back and trying to be grateful and appreciating what it is i do have not all of these other opportunities and things that i want that i'm just not getting you know right now yeah i think i think that's a, a, an important distinction the other thing that i wanted to 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 mention as well is that I draw a lot of parallels from entrepreneurship, business um, to to sports. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, when you see these kind of successful people in sports, marathon runners, world champions, all the rest of it, you know, again, it comes back to the iceberg. You only get to see, you know, th- them crossing the finish line and, and picking up the accolades. What you don't get to see is the hours and hours and grinds and setbacks that they have in training. And, you know, when you're when, you know, to bring this background to fitness and nutrition, it's no different for the average guy, right? The average dad, he has challenges with the kids. He has challenges with relationships, has challenges with the jobs. And but it's it's a, it's a case of just keeping on going, isn't it? You know, it's a case of just learning to deal with problems and being okay with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. 100%. I love the training more than the game yeah. you know, itself. Yeah. Um, I just, I really enjoy that aspect of it. Um, yeah. And as it pertains to, to the training, you know, I've also had these theories about, you know, look, I think exercise should be fun. I think fitness is, and the opportunity to train and to be, healthy and play and do, I think that's such a privilege. Like I never understood, Mm. like even in youth sports and as a coach and with my kids come up, I never understood why if people misbehaved, you know, or kids misbehaved, they would force them to run. You know, I, I, I never understood some of this stuff. I always felt like, okay, like 
if you misbehave or you don't want to be part of the training or the team, the punishment should be you have to sit. Yeah, you know? yes. I, yeah. The running <laughs> is the good, good part. Like the running is yeah, the good part. Good. That's the training. Like that's that's yeah. the that's what's making you healthier. That's what's going to help you win the game. Why do I want to re- like I don't want yeah. negative connotations to be associated with positive activity. If if that if that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that and makes perfect sense. And that- even when I'm watching, like I really love watching like all these shows now where they go behind the scenes you know, of sports teams yeah. where they go into the yeah. training camps and they go, you know, they follow them for the, for the season on the road or, or the race teams. I love looking at what goes into that because yeah. you win the game based on all the preparation by everything else you do in there. Yeah. The game is like secondary. Yeah. It's everything else you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when you listen to a lot of these uh, professional athletes, you know, that's that's what they say. You know, at the time when it's the event or or the particular race that they come up to, they've done that a hundred times in training, you know, if they've trained properly. And so it's just the execution at the end of the day. Totally. Look, the game is fun. Competition is amazing. I certainly don't like to lose, but I've always maintained the attitude. And even with my kids and everything out there. That look, if you've prepared and you've trained hard and you do your best out there, competition is a great thing. I do not really mind losing to a formidable or better opponent. No, out there. Yeah, Um, I mind very much not doing the work to prepare ahead of time and not being able to perform and do your best, you know, out there on the field. If you do that, you know, whether you win or lose, you know, I think you know you've by score, you've, you've actually won. Yeah. I'd like to go up yeah. against better competition all the time. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, 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 I don't know if you've ever heard of this phrase. It's, it's like, don't, don't wish um, for less problems, just wish for better skills. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So we could do an hour of cliches if we want <laughs> yeah, to. We <laughs> <laughs> so, so to sum up then, um, Greg, what five key actions would you say the listeners could take away today to help them bring some of the learnings from your life into their lives to ensure that they can get some success in work and life? Um, great question. Okay, five. Um, let's see if I can count and come up with a and come up with a good five catching me on, on the spot. Um, I think the number one um, is not just to look to any one individual. Don't just look to me or to my life. Yeah. Go out and ask questions. Yeah. Find multiple individuals, businesses, and whatever it may be with with contrasting viewpoints, you know, also. Um and and do your I think number one is do do your homework, do your research. Find a number of individuals or people that you can look to that see things differently in a way and try to extrapolate, yeah. you know, from there what you believe in and what really works for you. Cause I don't think there's any one thing from any one person that you can live somebody else's life exactly for yourself. In yeah, there. I agree, yeah. So I think that's number one, you know, number two is I wouldn't look at the destination. As you mentioned, I would look at the actual daily steps you can take to become better than yesterday. You know, yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, and I'm working with a clothing company right now called 10,000 Gear, and their motto is just that better than yesterday. If you're yeah. not exercising at this point, well, I think it's unrealistic to think that you're going to all of a sudden spend two hours in the gym every day. Yeah. You know? Get up and take a walk. Yeah. You know, start, start with one. Yeah. Start with one little step and then make it two and three. You know, if you're yeah. drinking, you don't have to go to zero. If you're drinking three drinks a day, make it two, then make it one. You know what I'm saying? Take it, take it in baby steps. Mm. Um, would be number would be number two. Um, three, get help. I mean, and, and mm. by help, it could be whatever you need. Friends, family, um, get a training partner, a colleague yeah. from work. You know, you need somebody to help hold you accountable. Yeah. This is not this is not easy. No. Um especially if you're changing your lifestyle and you're trying to take yourself out of environments and routines that have been ingrained for a long period of time. 
you know, it can get, yeah. it can get lonely. So, so yeah. get some help, um, there, you know, where you can. And if you don't have that support structure, go find somebody that is a professional that you yeah. can hire yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're available to you also. I think that's, I think that's three, um, yeah. four, I would focus on experiences over things. Yeah. You know, definitely. I, I would absolutely focus on experiences over things. I have things. I've had a lot of things. As yeah. I've divested myself of things, I've become a lot happier. Um, yeah. As I've stopped buying things for gratification purposes or instant gratification purposes, I've found myself much happier. Yeah. And because of that, I've also had the means to, to, to throw towards more experiences. Mm. Um, so that's one. Um, an- another one there. And I think the last one, this may bring us to, to five. Um, yeah. It's a little touched on the health aspect of it, but when you feel better physically, everything yeah. else becomes better. The food tastes better. Your relationships become better. Your career becomes better. Your energy level is higher. I cannot stress that aspect enough. You have time in your day, whatever you are doing. If you focus on just getting a little bit healthier, every, I, I am a big believer that everything else in your world will improve. Yeah, definitely. I I think that's a fantastic point to finish on. I think that it is so, it is, it is so true. And, and obviously you can speak from experience. I can speak from experience, but I think the key aspect of that is that it's not, it's not overnight, just like success is not overnight. You know, change is not overnight. Just do little things daily, consistently, and you will yield results. Totally. You know, nothing, nothing that I'm saying, I think is particularly original in in there. Um, There are a lot of people out there that are saying these things. I think there's a tremendous amount of great content out there too. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, and as you ask these questions, I think about people in my life and in my world that I learn from, that I admire, Mm -hmm. that I try to apply what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, into my life, you know, my, my buddy, Justin at a calisthenics gym in Houston at mechanics, you know, it's 1% better every day you know, in there. Yeah. That's yeah. not much different than saying better than yesterday, you know, if at all, you yeah. know, but there's a lot of great messaging out there, but mm-hmm. you have to live the message, you know, yes. um, yeah. it's like, Hey, you know, this putting in the work, you know, yeah. what is putting in the work really mean? Mm. You know, you, it's different for everybody too. I yeah. can tell you one thing. It's very easy to post, put in the work. <laughs> it's very easy to post, yeah. you know, better than yesterday. It's, I mean, there's, you can get motivated. You can, you can be paralyzed by all the motivational shit that's out there, you know, every day. <laughs> yeah, the, the question becomes, okay, what are you, what actions are you actually taking? Yeah. Are you producing or consuming that, that I wrote yeah. about a few weeks ago. Right. You know, are you moving the needle forward if you are just consuming versus if you spent the time actually producing and making progress for yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I completely agree with that. So so Greg, it's been amazing to talk to you today. I really appreciate your time. Um uh, I love your enthusiasm, I love your passion. So um, before we wrap up, though, Greg, is there anything that you feel that I didn't ask you that you think I should have asked you that would benefit the listeners? This is my favorite question <laughs> <laughs> because it's so it's so hard, um, and you do this a lot. Um, yeah. And and again, I thank you for having me on my podcast. I try not to talk much at all. When somebody starts asking me these questions and I get a chance to kind of throw up all over everybody out there, (laughs) um, you almost don't even remember what you said 56 minutes ago, you know, because it just, it just keeps, it keeps coming out. Um, But if there's a question didn't ask that you wanted to be asked, um, you know, one of the things I really, 
I really like talking about family and the relationship dynamic at home. You know, again, right. at 40 now, um, this comes up a lot. Um, yeah. If I was going to be asked anything, it would, pr- and I want to talk about more, it would be more on the aspects of family and marriage because the majority right. of us, or a lot of us now, again, at my age, at 47, we have been engaged in a relationship for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and it's how do you keep it fresh? You know, how do you continue to date your wife? How do you keep passion there? How do you manage the yeah. realities of, of life when you've been with this, somebody for such a long time? Um, and there's a theory or, or there's a school of thought, you know, again, how much are people willing to work through together or yeah. how much, again, are they willing to, you know, say again, life is short and time is precious and I'm cutting in and I'm moving on, mm. you know, there too. I, mm. That, that to me is a fascinating, yeah. is a fascinating subject. And statistically, I don't want to end on a low note or anything, no. but statistically, look, uh, you know, most relationships do not make it, no. you know, the divorce rate, the divorce rate is high, yeah. you know, there. Yeah. Um, and at this stage of my life, I'm seeing a lot of my contemporaries um, dealing with that issue. So that's something I'm spending some more time trying to learn okay. about and talk about and, yeah. and evaluate in my own home. Yeah. And and I think, again, I'm no, no expert on this, but I think, you know, some of my theories around that is that a lot of it is 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 down to communication. And a lot of it is also down to, to making sure that you – you know, you plan stuff with with your spouse. You know, you you talk about, you know, we, we all talk about planning business, planning health and fitness and all the rest of it, planning our lives. But how many of, our, of us actually sit down with our spouses and say, well, we're going to plan to do this. You and I, we, you know, we, we're going to start getting um, we're going to start learning about this or we're going to do stuff together. But how but how many of us actually do that? And, and I'll hold my hands up. You know, I've not done that in the past. Yeah, you know, this raises a very good point, um, which is any of the changes or anything we're talking about people doing in their lives, myself included, it would be almost impossible. I don't want to say impossible, almost impossible to achieve what you want to achieve without the support of your significant other and or, and or family or anybody in your world, yeah. um, because then it becomes an obstacle. They have to be on board. And mm-hmm. I experienced this for a while. I, I had a coach, um, wow. have a coach that, that I pay. Um, I didn't always have one, but I have a coach that I pay. And I was having these conversations with my coach, getting advice, trying to make changes, and real, and then having some trouble implementing those changes. And the reason I came to that, I found out the reason I was having as much trouble as I was having implementing the changes is, I was having these conversations with my coach and my coach only. I wasn't right. having the conversations yeah. with the people, other people I really <laughs> needed to have them with. Yeah. My wife, my kids, my friends, my clients. Yeah, It's like I had the plan and I had a sympathetic ear and I had mm. good advice, but my, my execution and implementation was all wrong because I wasn't getting buy-in from anybody but me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? How simple stuff can be if once you start to reflect and understand it. Yes, and it's hard to ask. It's hard yeah. to admit vulnerability. It's hard to admit um, maybe you're doing something wrong, and therefore you have to change, or things are not as right as you want them to be. Um, yeah, and it's hard to have those conversations, but there are absolute they're absolutely necessary. You mentioned this before. You've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, and those hard conversations are the ones that you have to have if you really want to make really want to make progress yeah brilliant i I think that's uh that's a fantastic uh note to end on greg and i think um people would do or listeners would do well to kind of listen to that again and reflect on that again because i think that's 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 hugely valuable so greg how can um people connect with you where can they find you what's your podcast called all that kind of good stuff 
Yeah, thank you, Darren. You're you're awesome. This was a lot of fun, and you do a tremendous, tremendous job. So the questions were great. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, I answered them. Um, you know, to your and your listeners' satisfactions, or you can edit this down to exactly what you want. <laughs> uh, but uh, to find me, the easiest place is just go to gregscheinman.com. That's G R E G S C H E I N M A N dot com. That's got my blog, links to the podcast, right. um, and even a link back to my business, you know, and stuff. So everything's there. Or I'm on Instagram a lot at Greg Scheinman. Um, and LinkedIn, you know, as well. You know, our, our demographic seems to be more LinkedIn, you know, in that kind yeah. of area. So yeah. so that's been a good spot as well. Awesome. All right, Greg, it's been amazing talking to you. Thanks for having me on your podcast as well. And um, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Darren, stay safe, stay healthy, and and congrats on everything. And good luck in all your uh, upcoming events. Thanks, Greg. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fitter Healthier Dad podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe. And I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes. All the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes and a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com.